0: Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we've got a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips that uh, can help our business. We're also talking with Christina Sikiotis, who's at the uh, Wired for Wonder Festival at the moment. So she's going to give us some highlights from there. But right now we're going to have a chat with David, David Young from Markey Insurance about understanding the insurance quoting process. Good afternoon, David.
1: Yeah, hi Julian, how
0: are you? I'm very well, thank you once again for joining us.
1: Yeah, no worries.
0: So so why is getting an insurance quote different from buying other products or services?
1: Um, yeah, well Julian, buying an insurance product is not really all that much different from buying any other product or service. I mean generally people are looking for the best price and, and I guess if every product or service was exactly the same, price would be the only consideration. Um, if, if that is your sole aim with insurance, you'll, you will invariably end up with a basic policy that may not cover you properly. Uh, no two policies are the same.
0: But price, of course, is important to most people.
1: Yeah, no argument there. Um, but I guess people need to ask themselves, um, why do they pay for insurance? It's certainly not for fun. Um, the answer, I think, is you know, if you suffer a loss or damage, uh, we want the insurance company to be there at claim time and pay your claim in full. Uh, insurance can be cheap uh, you know when you purchase it up until claim time and sometimes if you can afford it paying that extra premium or checking your coverage properly can be the difference between being covered or not and it can save you or cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, you know whichever way you look at it
0: so so insurance it seems is balancing act between price and cover what you get for the
1: money yeah it is yeah you know we, we do appreciate that price is important as we've spoken about but um, so too is the cover. Um, firstly, insurers do need to have accurate details of your business and your activities you're involved with, your experience and your history. In um, you know, a full disclosure, of that's important to avoid any adverse insurance issues down the track. Um, and insurance companies will, will offer you terms or decline to offer you terms based on what you tell them. So in you know, a non-disclosure or misrepresentations can result um, possibly an in insurer declining a future claim which really would defeat the purpose of having insurance in the first place and paying that premium uh, that didn't protect you properly.
0: So so you mentioned that policies are all different?
1: Yeah, absolutely correct. Um, All insurance policies are different. Uh, They have different definitions, different limits and sub-limits. Excesses will vary Um, and all policies have exclusions, um, which can be very popular with some insurers at claims time. Uh, Some insurers will impose further exclusions or limitations to your cover, which effectively leaves you exposed to, you know, uninsured losses.
0: And I suppose a lot of this is covered by that fine print that nobody reads.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, There's always plenty of that. I mean, you know, a lot of documents are 100 pages long. Yeah. uh, And it's very difficult for the average person to to understand it um, sometimes.
0: So, So what type of policies do we need?
1: Um, it will vary greatly depending on the type of business. Um, obviously, workers' compensation is compulsory if you employ people. Um, all businesses should have public liability, public and products liability, as they call it, as a minimum. And from there on, depending on your business, whether you need professional indemnity or fire cover, burglary, transit of goods, etc., it just depends on your business.
0: So I, I suppose one of the important issues would be the sums insured.
1: Yeah, very important issue that we try and emphasise all the time. Uh, Sums insured, you know, for example, on your buildings and your plant and equipment, um, need to reflect replacement costs, and you have to make allowance for removal of debris and professional fees. Uh, insurance valuations are highly recommended and should shouldn't really be seen as an extra cost, but more as a safeguard and a starting point for your sum insured. Um, with Public liability policies, I mean, the minimum level of cover is $10 million. Uh, many businesses need $20 million, either contractually or based on their potential exposure with the nature of the product or service. Uh, importantly, liability claims may not be settled for many years to come, so uh, and it's possible that uh, the compensation amounts are going to be greater in those years to come, so we do recommend higher limits.
0: So with, with liability, you just mentioned contractually, what, what does that mean?
1: Yeah, Okay. Um, Well, sometimes you you have a landlord or a principal contractor may insist on, say, $20 million worth of cover. So regardless of what you want as the insured person, uh, that becomes the the minimum limit that you have to have. Um, And on this subject, it's important to be aware of contractual liability such as this. Um, Sometimes the contract may state that you not only have to indemnify the principal or a contractor, uh, however, more onerously, requesting you to hold them harmless, and waive your subrogation rights or take on responsibilities at law that you normally wouldn't. Now, this is not automatically covered by your insurance policy. You have to get your insurer to agree to it and accept it. Um, you know, we have seen million-dollar claims wipe out businesses because they don't understand the impact of these clauses.
0: Yeah, we've, we had a discussion with a lawyer a few weeks ago about that particular aspect too. Yeah. What, what are some of the main other issues?
1: Um, Well, I guess um, there are many. However, full and accurate disclosure of your business is a good start, and as mentioned, uh, insurers will all ask different questions, but just the basics of getting your insured name right. You need to know all legal entities, um, you know, whether it be companies or individuals, unless they're a director of the company. Uh, The business, full description, um, using just a couple of words sometimes can leave you exposed. It's best to expand out the definition properly. Um, Your business activity, Uh, What are the processes involved? The more details you can give an insurer, the better. Um, And then your sales turnover, a fair estimate, as it's a a fairly vital rating factor for liability policies. And just generally speaking, insurers do love quality submissions about your business. It it indicates that you have a professionally well-run operation.
0: And as as you say, full disclosure is important. You can't hide anything these days. No, True. So so with the particularly with the influx of the internet there there's so many ways to buy insurance these days. What are your yeah. thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean obviously you know buying things online are very common these days um, and there's just so many ways to do it and so many products out there. Um, but generally speaking I think if you're buying directly uh, from an insurer, a financial institution, Uh, or the retailers these days offering insurance, um, they generally can only offer their product Um, and some of them are very good. Um, Over the phone, um, getting a verbal quote, that should probably be your last method if you can avoid it, because really you're only going to get a price. You can't properly gather all the information about the product. Um, Then, of course, you've got uh, insurance brokers and intermediaries who who can offer independent advice uh, on various products and claims assistance.
0: And as you mentioned earlier, it's uh, you know it's getting it right. You don't need the insurance until you need it. How, how can we avoid mistakes in selecting insurance covers?
1: Yeah, well, I think that the best advice I can give is really to allow yourself plenty of time. Um, I mean, sometimes quotes and covers can be arranged the same day or the next day if they're urgent. However, we we do recommend a minimum of five working days or three to four weeks for business insurance. Uh, it allows you time to approach the insurers compare premiums, uh, the covers and policy conditions, uh, see if there's any special conditions or limitations. Uh, if you can, seek independent professional advice. And then it gives you time to, to make an informed decision that's not rushed based on price alone.
0: Great. Well, thanks very much for your time, David. We'll no. have a chat with you again another time. All
1: right. It's a pleasure, Julian. Thank, Thank you.
0: you. You too. Bye-bye.
1: OK, bye.
0: David Young there from uh, Markey Insurance. Uh, yeah, it can be quite complex. Don't just rush for that first quote that you get. Make sure that you know what you're covering. You're listening to Business, The Law and You on 2 RFM 103.7. Time to pop over to Christina Sikiotis Well, 25 minutes past one and have a chat from the Wired for Wonder Expo. Good afternoon. That's right, Julian. How's your favourite song there?
2: Uh, my favourite song was very nice. Thank you very much for playing it. It has romantic connotations oh, for me, okay. so thanks for that. Uh, um, so I am at Wide for Wonder, and it's been a wonderful experience. Um, and the, some of the speakers that we have are just fantastic. just want to potentially talk about um, a couple of the, the people that have made presentations today, but really interesting in line of all our conversation over the last, you know, six months, et cetera, the themes that are coming out really loud and strong are the ability for um, individuals and organisations, big or small, to ask the right question mm. um, in order to get the right answer. And it, it seems such a simple thing to say, but so important and so intrinsic to the way organisations run. Um, very much hearing about the social purpose behind most businesses, organisations, institutions. Uh, we're, we're entering truly a space and the sooner we all catch up with it, the better, Um, where everything has an underlying social purpose. We are entering an age where we are caring more. It's almost like we've come a full circle, circle. and that's not to say that people haven't cared at all, Um, but we're less worried about, or we're trying to become less worried about, we're moving towards becoming less worried about what that bottom line is and more connected with the social purpose. Not that the bottom line's not important, because it obviously is, but we're we're connecting the bottom line with a social outcome at the same time. Trust Mm. is um, one of the common themes. So a couple of uh, the speakers have mentioned, and and we know um, from potentially some of the research that that you and I have read, and and I'm sure other people have read as well, that we're more likely to trust strangers, think Uber, think um, Airbnb, and a whole lot of other um, areas like that, rather than trust big corporations, organisations, particularly governments <laughs> uh, which says a lot about where our trust values lie.
0: That's right, yes. Yes. Yeah.
2: In line with that, we do have rating systems and we do have areas where we can, um, you know, the, the reviews, and so we'll check somebody's review before we actually jump in a car with them or something like that. But trust, huge issue. Mm. Just heard a wonderful presentation from a lady by the name of Karen Jane. Um, she's just released a book called On Purpose, uh, it's fantastic, and it drills right down into virtues, values, ethics you know, all the things that we again we've spoken about, about and how important they are to the way businesses move forward and, and the way that you align everything that you do intrinsically, extrinsically within yourself and the organization align them to values, vision, virtues. Fantastic, mm.
0: Mm. excellent. All right, well, we might have a chat about a bit more of that uh, next week. We shall. I look forward to it. Have you you got another afternoon with with some more?
2: Uh, This afternoon, yes. We've got a a few more speakers coming up this afternoon. So So we'll um, have some more
0: exciting news for next week.
2: We shall have as much as you want, Julian. I could talk for ages.
0: Okay. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good week. You too. Thank you. Bye. Christina Sikhiati is there. She gets excited, doesn't she, at these uh, conferences. Uh, But uh, there's certainly some good value there, and it would be great to see... uh, um, More corporations accepting values and social responsibilities. Time for a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. This one's an interesting one. Are you acting like a pushover? You have to get along with others to get things done, right? Yes, to a degree. You want to be cooperative, but you don't want to be seen as a pushover. Watch out for these signs that you've taken being the good guy or girl too far. Chances are that if you're feeling these things, other people are noticing them as well. Firstly, you kick yourself for not speaking up in meetings. You only realise your point of view on something after the discussion ends. Secondly, you you blame your colleagues for not giving you a chance to speak. Or you feel overwhelmed and pulled in multiple directions. Your calendar is all back-to-back meetings with no time to focus on yourself or your critical priorities. And finally, your peers get promoted before you do. Interesting little points there. Sometimes we don't want to be seen as pushovers, but uh, we do have to be cooperative. And the other one there, focus on persuading employees, not directing them. We often believe that the most effective way to manage is to directly tell people what to do. But this doesn't inspire much enthusiasm because no one wants another task they have to do. People want to be called to do something greater. So instead of directing your team, aspire to aspire to inspire them. This shifts their responses from I have to to I want to. There are opportunities to do this every day when you want to empower someone to own a project, when you want feedback to stick, when you're communicating change, etc. To direct less and persuade more, focus on appealing to someone's emotions. If you're trying to motivate an employee to improve his performance, for example, speak to his future using an emotionally compelling story someone in engineering once spearheaded a similar wild idea and the risk paid off this is something i see you doing too so interesting little comments there well thank you for being with me for the last half hour we've looked at uh, getting through that minefield of insurance quoting and getting all your facts right before you make a decision and some highlights from Wide for wonder and we'll get some more of those next week In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to visit the world of tax with Tony Vidray, have a minute on innovation with Christina Sikhiatis and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week and as Henry Ford once said... The man who will use his skill and constructive imagination to see how much he can give for a dollar instead of how little he can give is bound to succeed.